Oh, geez. I wish I had some good fantasy to read. Is that a fact, Reuben? It is, mister. Well, as it just so happens, good friend and supporter of the show, author Cody James, is writing a new book. Well, what's it called? It's called Light and Shadow. Well, what's it about? Well, they say that when it's your time to die, you're judged in the afterlife. If you've lived a good life, you go to heaven. But if you sinned, well, then you go to hell. And when you get there, you're sent to the circle most fitting of your behavior. Well, they're half right. For in the black city, pain is currency and punishment is the law. But what did I do to deserve this? Oh, that's right. I was born. For as long as most of us can remember, heaven and hell have been at war, angels against demons. But what happens when you are the offspring of a cursed union between the two? I can't wait to find out. Well, you can! In January of next year, when the book is planned to release, with Cody publishing it himself. It sounds like a great fit for anybody who likes D&D or fantasy in general. Sounds like a great... Sounds great. I can't wait to read it. I would certainly agree. And I hope our listeners also can't wait to read it. You can find out more information from Cody's Facebook page, which is uh, Cody James Author. He will have a hyperlink, and you will be able to acquire the book anywhere audiobooks are available. That's awesome. With hardcovers available later. Well, thanks, Cody James. (laughs) Thank you, Cody James. Two Towns Over is a podcast where we explore the fascinating world of urban legends, conspiracy theories, and campfire tales to find out if there are any truths behind the legends. With dark humor and natural curiosity, we tackle the darkened streets of the town we all know. Welcome to the town with no name. This is Two Towns Over. it when I edit, but I well, that'll be bad, but <laughs> like I said, I can find it and just minimize it. It'll be alright. It'll be fine. Don suffers so that none of you ha- have to. We're just <laughs> talking about um, how swallowing sounds gross sometimes to certain people. Mm-hmm. Anyway. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Campfire Tales. I am Don. Don's got a strange energy. I'm Ruben. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway, last week, I think we left... We left off where it's, uh, from talking about um, mechanical safety in elevators, and this week we're going to be talking about safety training for uh, swimming in a lake, I yes. think, is what we decided on. Yes. Uh, although the first lake is... Basically, if you can't swim, don't. If you can swim, still bring a life jacket and or preserver, just in case. Yeah. So this week we're going to talk about killer lakes, everybody. Also, don't like, you know... There's, there's not really like sharks in lakes, but there's like some some stuff in there that's pretty nasty and mean. So like, yeah. be careful. Don't be, you know, don't be an idiot. And we're gonna talk about. That's my whole take. Yeah, and we're done. And Bye, we're, everybody. It's been a great one this yeah. week, Don. <laughs> Real quick, I, I think we've solved it. <laughs> yeah, let everybody see that thirty second download time. And Pro tip: If you don't want to drown, do not breathe water. There you go. Although the we're gonna be talking about. Fully two lakes, although three lakes technically, but the first lake we're going to talk about, you don't want to get in it at all. Yeah, some of them are bad. Yeah. So, first lake we're going to talk about is Lake Natron. That sounds like a an Autobot. <laughs> <laughs> I am Natron. 
Oh, maybe it's a Decepticon. <laughs> so Lake Natron is a lake in uh, the Arusha region in Tanzania. Tanzania. Oh, Tanzania. That's in Africa somewhere. All right. So uh, it's actually That's a... where the Tanzanian people come from. Very good. That's exactly as much as I know about Tan- Tanzania. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I, I know it's in Africa, mm-hmm. and it's where Tanzanians come from. That's it. There you go. Those are the two facts. Yes, and now you're going to know that Lake Natron is in Tanzania. Oh, shit. I am learning today, Yeah, folks. you know three things about Tanzania now. And we named a new Decepticon. <laughs> so Hasbro has to hire us now. Did you say he is a Decepticon? Or? Yeah, because Natron sounds more like Megatron than Optimus Prime is my logic, mm-hmm. basically. So what, what, what would Natron turn into? Ah, oh, fuck. What would Natron turn into? Spaceship? A spaceship? Yeah, like a shuttle, not like a alien one. Now, when you were growing up... It's a tangent. When you were growing up, did Megatron turn into a gun? No, that was later. I knew Megatron as a plane. Okay. When I was growing up, that was the only Transformer I ever had was Megatron. Yeah, no, that gun. blew my fucking mind when I learned <laughs> that as an adult. I was like... Excuse me, Megatron turned into a what now? A P thirty eight, a goddamn handgun. Yep. <laughs> so that's okay. the most useless solo transformation ever. Right. Well, he would in the cartoon he would transform and Starscream would hold him. And, yeah, and, but but fucking Starscream. Yeah, you know, turns into a plane instead with guns. Stupid. But it is. That's it my is. point: is that every other robot already has guns. <laughs> Yet Megatron must become a handgun, not even like a mega cannon, like yeah. a, just a big ass handgun. <laughs> and it even came with a shoulder stock and a silencer. So you, it, yeah, just yeah. A, just a big fuck off handgun. <laughs> All right, but Lake Megatron is what's considered an alkaline lake or salt lake. So it's kind of like you know, very you know, salt like lake. Salt Lake and uh, the Dead Sea. Yeah. So um, now it's in the. Um, Gregory Rift in Tanzania, which is the eastern branch of the East African Rift. Mm-hmm. So it's along a fault line. I don't know. Ge- hey, listener, I went to school in America. I don't know geography. If you do, cool. I will have to look that up. Yes. And now for anybody who speaks, uh, I guess, Swahili, uh, just bear with me. Uh, the lake is fed principally by the southern Iwaso Nagiro River, uh, which rises in central Kenya. Uh, and by a mineral ri- and by mineral rich hot springs. So this lake is fed by a river and hot springs. Now that's, that's pretty cool. I've never been to a hot spring. I haven't either. I'm very familiar with cold water springs, freshwater springs in Florida because that's you know where I grew up. But I've always always wanted to go to like a hot spring. They sound very interesting and cool. Yeah, but then I'd be scared because I've heard of hot springs like in Yellowstone that'll boil somebody. Yeah, well, then don't go to the volcanic ones. <laughs> I mean, I guess they're all technically, they have to be volcanic, huh? I, I don't know shit about hot springs. Well, I know Yellowstone sits on a volcano. Well, yeah, that's yeah, why you don't get into explode. the goddamn geyser. You get into, <laughs> you go to the, it's like, it's like, like in Florida, like, it's not going to be the, it's like fed through the aquifer, and so it comes from the sea. Basically, just freshened seawater. It's filtered water right. that boils up through soft parts in the ground. This, I think, the same principle for a hot spring, but from mountains. What with the lava? Mm. But uh, <clears throat> at its deepest, it's usually around nine feet deep. So it's not very deep. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. And it varies in width depending on its water level. 
Um, Cold springs get very deep, people. Yeah. Like, real deep. Well, this one does not. Uh, at its longest, uh, when the weather, or when it rains and it's full, it's about 50, uh, 35 miles long and 14 miles wide. Damn. Okay. That's a cool-ass lake. Yeah. That's really dope. I mm. want to see it, except <laughs> that you can't get in it, apparently. Well, you... Which one? Is this the one you're not supposed to get in? Yes. Okay, well. So, the surrounding area receives a regular seasonal rainfall, mainly between December and May, totaling a maximum of 31 inches a year. 31 inches of what now? Of rain. Rain. A year. Okay. So, and temperature, the temperatures in the lake are frequently above 104 degrees. Damn. Yeah. That's pretty nice. So, because of the location, because of the temperature, because of the depth, uh, high levels of evaporation have left behind something called natron. Which is sodium carbonate decahydrate. That sounds dangerous. <laughs> I don't know if it is. And oh my god! And Santrona, which its uh, scientific name is sodium sesquicarbonate dihydrate. I should clap. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was amazing. I'm getting better at this. Um, I don't know if he said it right, but it got he sound he said it with confidence, <laughs> that, and he didn't that, stumble, and that shit was amazing. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> I learned that after the, the, the Auschwitz episode. You, you just plow through. Just plow through. It's fine. Because somebody eventually got, uh, you pronounced that wrong, but it'll be weeks from now. They'll never, mm-hmm. you know, I'll be like, I'm done. You, you, should, be like, you should be like me. Don't read them. <laughs> <laughs> just right. drop in occasionally to drop, to drop a comment. Now, the alkalinity of the lake can reach a pH of greater than 12. So to let you know, regular water That's a lot. is 7. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, the surrounding bedrock is composed of alkaline, Sodium-dominated trachyte lavas that were laid down during the Pleistocene period. God, yeah, I tried. We're the getting lava. there, folks. Hey, listen, we're, we still have a long way to go, but yeah, I'm just trying to get because this is all the scientific stuff. Yeah, yeah. I haven't even gotten to why it's dangerous. This yet. is no, I, I feel like this is important because <laughs> the, you know that's a high pH, but that's like dangerous. Yeah. It's just below ammonia. Yeah. So yeah, which is. You know, if you put bleach in that, fucking mustard gas. So, you know. Now, the lavas that surround the what, area. I'm sorry. Let me put this into perspective. For people who don't know what ammonia is, would you bathe in glass cleaner? Then don't get in the lake, is my point. <laughs> uh, they have a significant <clears throat> amount of carbonate, but very low calcium and magnesium levels. And this has allowed the lake to concentrate into a caustic alkaline brine. Boy, that sounds awful. That shit it sounds like something that like truly ancient people would have called the like boiling miasma fucking swamp or something. Like they would have given it a name of like there's a god that lives there and he hates people. Don't get in his water, he'll kill you. <laughs> it's Lucifer's bath. Yeah, some shit like that. <laughs> like some craziness. Especially when you find out this next part. Now the color of the lake is characteristic of those with very high evaporation rates occur. As water evaporates during the dry season, salinity levels increase to the point that salt-loving microorganisms begin to thrive. Is it green? No. Red. Ah! Yeah, blood Same red. reason as the Dead Sea. Yeah. Um, such halophile organisms include some cyanobacteria that make their own food with photosynthesis, like plants do. Bro, imagine... Okay. <laughs> so we are... It's two towns over. We're a little bit of a Legends podcast, and this is my... This is my only foothold into the community at this point, which is this. I like to make up stories in my head, too. And so here's one of them. Imagine if you were an ancient person 
where is this again? In Africa. In Africa. Imagine you're an ancient tribes person, probably a man going out, adventuring and hunting and, you know, finding new locations or shit. Or imagine even you're a whole nomadic society and you all pull up camp and you find your scouts come back and they tell you, we found a huge lake that's shallow, we think, but we don't know because so-and-so got in, and um, the water is blood red and fucking boiling. Yeah. Like, he look, the marks are on his skin. He got burnt. <laughs> like, that shit's terrifying. Right. We're leaving. <laughs> Fuck this. Like, <laughs> so, the gods are angry with us. <laughs> so, like I said, the cyanobacteria, they actually create food through photosynthesis like plants do. The red accessory photosynthesizing pigment in the cyanobacteria produces the deep reds of the open water of the lake and the orange colors in the shallow parts of the lake. And the alkali salt crust on the surface of the lake is also often colored red or pink by the salt-loving microorganisms that live there. Mm -hmm. Well, what makes Lake Dinktron so dangerous? Well, I feel like it was the pH balance that's just slightly below ammonia. <laughs> What with the big salt levels, bacteria. You said bacteria a bunch of times. Yes, yeah, cyanobacteria. Yeah. Yeah. And whatever natron is. <laughs> so so before we get too involved, although we already have, uh, we take a look at what Lake Natron is made of, and you see that like the Dead Sea, this Tanzanian lake does not run off into any oceans or rivers. So yeah. It's just basically it's a big, just giant, right stagnant puddle, basically. Um, Unlike Florida's hot uh, cold springs, right. which do run off into rivers. Right. Now, this allows it to soak up all the so salty desert rain. Most of them. Yeah. Um, what makes it especially lethal is it's close. Wait, wait, wait. So you're saying it's siphon it's like running off into the lake is more shit well, salt the, water yeah, from the, the rain. rain. Yeah. Okay. Because apparently in the desert, there's a high level of salt mm -hmm. in the air. and it Hella salt. Yeah. Well, because there's no water to dilute right. it. Yeah. Anyway. So, but what makes it especially lethal is its close proximity to the active volcano Oldoño. Oh, fuck me, Oldoño Lingay. Is there a translation? No, Oldoño Doño Lingay. Let me see. I probably I will not be able to do better. Yeah, no, that's about it. Oh, oh, ol as in O L, all maybe. All. Mm -hmm. Doinvo, which is like D-O-I-N-V-O, and then Lengai is like pretty obvious. Oh, was that a V? I thought it was a Y. That's why it was. Is it? Yeah, it's a Y. Oh. Doinyo. Doinyo. Al Doinyo Lengai. Something like that. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Probably not. We'll see. Now, anyways. Don's Volcano. We're just going to call it that. I just had to join in because I don't want you to get all the ridicule. It's not fair. <laughs> like, these people th think they could do goddamn better. Like... Well, I mean, the... the Some of see, you can. You can see the spell check is saying, no, that's not right. Yeah, but, but we're American. Again, disadvantage of growing up American. Our whole shit. Um, also, our education system sucks. So, like, no, we don't speak other languages, even though we probably should, and we're smart enough to. We just never got those opportunities, really. <laughs> so... You know, we don't know how to pronounce things in other languages, unlike other languages. And yes, we think that's bullshit, but we don't, we can't really do a whole lot about it right now. Um, except try real hard. So that's what we do. <laughs> so this volcano spews a rare kind of lava that is rich in sodium and potassium carbonate. 
called natrocarbonate. Ah, fuck, I fucked it up. Natrocarbonatite. Carbonatite. There we go. Yeah. Natrocarbonatite. Natrocarbonatite. Or I na- don't know what carbonatite is, but it sounds somehow worse than carbon. <laughs> well, um, it's short. Uh, natron is. It's natron for short. I'm looking. So. Uh, I'm going to look up. Do, do you have an explanation of what carbonatite is or does? No. Right. Releasing into this water is a mix of sodium carbonate and sodium bicarbonate, where key ingredients once used in. Here we go. Oh shit. Carbonatite is a type of intrusive or extrusive igneous rock defined by mineralogic composition consisting of greater than 50% carbonate materials. Excuse me, minerals. Carbonatites may be confused with marble and may be re- and may require a geochemical verica- verification. I don't know what that means. What that means. So fuck <laughs> it. <laughs> This is the one and only science. I tried. <laughs> I tried so we could just have one week where we wouldn't have to try to debunk ghosts or or spiritual things. And we no, just... I don't have to debunk shit in this one. It's lovely, yeah, it's but just straight science. And unfortunately, our brains are already hurting. <laughs> it's just like you know. I think we've mentioned before. I'm, we're pretty smart, but like we're also not scientists. So you know, these words are new and strange to us. So. um this mixture of sodium carbonate and sodium bicarbonate being released in the water, they were both key ingredients once used in Egyptian mummification. Ah. Creating the perfect preservative in lake form. Now, the whole chemical composition is extremely alkaline with pH levels of 10.5 close to matching ammonia. So I was wrong. The ancient people came across this place and said, oh, the gods are happy with us. They are giving us the perfect thing to preserve our bodies with. <laughs> Amazing. Um. Now, the pH is what is what helps gives this lake its rosy hue. Any birds that happen to take a dive and don't make it out become calcified in a hardened stone-like husk. Amazing. That's wild. Yeah, it basically turns them to stone. How long does this process take? I don't know. Damn it. Um, in 2013, wildlife photographer Nick Brandt was one of the first to document this phenomenon. He discovered several stone birds and other unlucky animals in the dry season when the water had receded. He theorized, since the lake is so mirror-like and reflective, the birds must have flown right into it, as if it was a big glass door. That's terrifying. Yeah, I'll show you pictures in a That's minute. That's legit scary. Despite so many birds dying in Lake Natron, there is one particular species that is flourishing. Turns out, the lake's toxic water provides a safe haven from predators making it perfect flamingo flocking ground. No fucking way. Yes. What? Flamingos have... I, f- I feel like I heard myself spike there. I'm so <laughs> sorry, audience, but what? Yeah. We'll get to that in a second. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Talk about Florida coming up in unexpected places. <laughs> so, flamingos thrive in salty lakes because of their tough skin and scaly legs, which prevent burns. Oh, that's fucking cool. I did not know that flamingos were goddamn burn-proof. I didn't either. That's cool. They can drink the fresh water from nearby springs or geysers at the edge of the lake, and if they're desperate enough, they can even filter salt water with special glands in their nasal cavities. And to top it off... Bro, birds are dope as fuck. (laughs) Their strong stomachs allow them to feed on the toxic algae found throughout the lake. No, they can't. Yes. You know what? Honestly, though... I, I don't like birds as pets, but like when you think about 
Like, shit like that makes me remember birds are probably dinosaurs' closest living ancestors. Mm-hmm. Other than, like, crocodiles. <laughs> like, it's insane. Like, they're tough as fuck. And they can fly. <laughs> they have all the powers you wish you had, except they look stupid. <laughs> and I don't mean that their aesthetic is bad. I mean that they look dumb. They look not intelligent to me. Like... Even owls. They look stupid to me. They look dumb. <laughs> so, let's say that we tried to live like a flamingo and decided to take a dip. Oh my god, it would be the most metal death of all time. Depending on the time of year, like we said, the water can be up to 140 degrees Fahrenheit. 40? 140. I heard 104. 104 okay, it can be up to 140. Okay, 104 is like not that hot. To, right. I mean, it's pretty hot, but it's not like some showers can go up that high and a right. little bit higher, but like 140 is yeah. bad. It's enough to cause third degree burns. That's really bad. In five seconds or less. Yeah. Also, 140 is the reason, 160 is the McDonald's burn lady. <laughs> I just want y'all to know, like that nearly killed her. Right. But Also, the shallowness is also full of sharp, salty structures. So when the salt, you know, oh, it turns damn. into salt crystals. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's dangerous to jump in. Like all those geodes, the salt lamps that y'all get. Right. Like that, but sharp. Um, now, uh, you wouldn't be turned to stone instantly. Sure. That's but not... if, if you happen to drown and stay submerged, your entire body would harden and be preserved. If people found you hundreds of years later, you might still have your hair and organs intact. Um, wow. Like a mummy. Natron's super high alkalinity stops the decomposition process. Damn. So, okay. You know, I knew that there wasn't going to be, like, it happens instant. It's, like, not a Medusa. But, like, what... I wonder if, like, obviously for a human, something this large, it would take a long time for salt crystalline structures to form. But I'm wondering, it seemed as if this scientist person was saying that every time, every, like, year... He would find new stone birds, or he only went once? Well, he went once and found a bunch. Okay. So, that is a picture of one of the birds. I have seen that picture, and mm-hmm. I have seen this picture specifically. Right. If you Google it, whatever, what did... What did I just you... typed in Lake Natron. Yeah, so it's like the first picture is like a bird, like a stone bird floating, looks yeah. like. Mm-hmm. And then there's a picture where it looks kind of like a red marble countertop, and I've right. seen those before. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. So, I mean... That's a terrifying and horrible death, but it seems pretty cool. Now, because of it, that means you wouldn't have any vultures or any other hungry scavengers looking for a snack. If you waded into the lake at a time when the water temperature was lower, it could feel more like a hot tub, but your eyes or any open wounds would sting like crazy because of all the salt. Yeah. Now, in 2007... And it would dry your skin out like a bitch. Yeah. In 2007, a group of wildlife photographers... Uh, plunged Lake Natron's toxicity, plunged into, I'm sorry, plunged into Lake Natron's leak toxicity when their helicopter crashed. Oh, shit. The pilot suffered a broken leg and another passenger had a broken hip. Mm. Incredibly, one of the passengers managed to struggle to shore and alerted some of the Maasai tribespeople nearby, and they quickly built stretchers in the injured uh, to land in the nick of time. Nice. So if you died in the water, its high levels of sardine carbonate would mummify your body, but instead of taking a swim... What would happen if you took a drink? I bet it would be similar to trying to chug seawater. Um, 
Like it would. It seems like it would definitely make you vomit. Oh, there's a lot it's going to do to you. Yeah. You'll probably so, shit yourself to death. <laughs> so you take this drink, and it has three main ingredients that could cause severe damage to you. There's the highly alkaline liquid created by sodium, carbonate, and chlorine. Again, uh, first of all, chlorine. That should be a key word for all of you. <laughs> um, but also, uh, ammonia here. Glass cleaner. Yeah. Would you drink it? No. <laughs> Then don't. And it's all, if that's not enough to scare you, the blue-green algae can fatally damage your cell, cells. Nice. Yeah. And the we, final, we love a good radiation damage. Yeah. Like, and the final dangerous ingredient is salt. Even if you could survive the burns and the toxins, the salt would cause your demise. Yes. Now, you might be wondering why it would be a bad idea for you to take a drink of this water when you see flamingos quenching their thirst. Like we said. They have special they abilities. got. They have an organ specifically for that. Right. They're one of the few animals that thrive in Lake Natron's toxic environment. But let's say you still take a drink because you've got a death limit. Warrant. Or death. Wish? Wish. Thank you. My God. Like the movie? Yeah. So what would happen as this dangerous water travels through your body? Well, right away you would burn your lips and tongue. Okay? Yeah, again, 100 degrees yeah, 100, at yeah. least. But this would be nothing compared to the chemical burns you'd experience next. Yeah, I was just imagining that yeah. exact thing. And like, <laughs> you know? So the corrosive water would continue burning your mouth, esophagus, and stomach. Yeah, and wouldn't like the salt, wouldn't it like dry out your insides? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Holy shit. So your insides would feel like they were on fire, and if you drank enough of this water, the alkaline liquid could burn a hole in your stomach. Holy fuck. Yeah. That's crazy. Your abdominal pain could be crippling, and while your stomach is burning, the cyanobacteria contain, contain, contaminating the water would make you feel nauseous and could give you diarrhea. So there's your shit in yourself. Yeah, yeah. To make matters even worse, uh, the water would make you start feeling very thirsty. Yeah. So if you, Again, a, very similar to chugging a whole bunch of seawater. So if you continue drinking the, the water, your body would make you pee more than what you drank. Mm -hmm. This would make you dehydrated, and the more salty water you drank, the thirstier and more dehydrated you would become. Eventually, you'd die. Yep. But you would, pr you would probably survive the immediate and painful consequences of drinking Lake Natron's water, but it could leave your liver damaged forever. Yeah. And if the water burns a hole in your esophagus or stomach, you are going to die. You'd need to get medical treatment right away. Otherwise, you could get an infection. <laughs> yeah, no. And right away means within a few minutes. Yeah. Like, so that part is very, very short, very simple. Yeah. Don't drink the water. Pretty straightforward. Take Dave Matthews' advice. Don't drink the water. Don't drink the water. Now, apparently... Uh, Lake Natron is a very popular camping area because it's like a base camp for people who want to. There's mountains nearby. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah, like, it's, it's beautiful looking, but just don't get in it and yeah. have plenty of fresh water on you. Like the ocean at night. Yeah. Don't get in it. There's jellyfish and sharks and whales and shit, and they <laughs> will eat you. Some whales will eat you. Not all of them, obviously. So that was a very short and simple part. This one's a little bit more detailed, and this we're going to be talking mainly about Lake Nios, but another lake will come up because the same thing happened to it. Nios? Nios. N-Y-O-S. Or Neos. Mm. Nios sounds cooler. Yeah. 
So Lake Nyos had been quiet before it happened. Farmers and migratory herders in the West African country of Cameroon knew the lake as large, still, and blue. Now, what is Cameroon? Cameroon's also in Africa. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm giving Don a grin. <laughs> <laughs> but on the evening of August 21st, 1986... I think he didn't... I, I said what is Cameroon, not where, first of all, but oh. second of all... It doesn't matter. Go ahead. Okay. Um, on, on the evening of August 21st, 1986, farmers living near the lake heard rumbling. At the same time, a frothy spray shot hundreds of feet out of the lake and a white cloud collected over the water. Geyser? From the ground, the, gr- the cloud grew to 328 feet tall and flowed across the land. Oh, shit. Is it like volcanic? No. It's, okay. When farmers near the lake left their houses to investigate the noise, they lost consciousness. The heavy clouds sunk into a valley which channeled into settlements. People in affected areas collapsed in their tracks. This sounds very familiar. At home, on roads or in the field, losing consciousness or dying in a few breaths. In Neos or Nios and Cam, the first villages hit by the cloud, everyone but four inhabitants on high ground died. The valley split and the cloud followed, killing people up to 15 and a half miles away from the lake. God damn. Over the next two days, people from surrounding areas entered the valley to find the bodies of humans and cows lying on the ground. By August 23rd, the cloud had mostly blown away and the silence had lifted. After being unconscious for up to 36 hours, some people revived to find horrifically that their family members, neighbors, and livestock were dead. The lake had changed so also. some people did survive. People on higher ground. Okay. Uh, the lake had changed too. It was now shallower. Plants and leaves floated in it, and its formerly picturesque blue hue had darkened into rust. So what was the deadly force? Terrifying. Again, Nios. an actual terrifying story. Yes. Of like... Nature. Yeah. Just like, what is it? We don't know yet. <laughs> I don't know yet. But like, even then, like, can you imagine... Fucking walking outside, being like, what's that cloud? And then never waking up again. Yeah. (laughs) Holy fuck. Or even worse, maybe worse. Mm. Mm. Worse here being a subjective statement of like, yes, waking up and then realizing you just got lucky enough to be high enough up to not die. Like everybody was gonna and you just happened to be lucky enough to live 10 feet up. Mm -hmm. And to know that every... Thing, not just people. Everything, plants, people, animals. Not just no, not plants. Not plants, but people and animals. People and animals. Everything was dead. I believe it was like all told, it was like seventeen thousand. Not only that, deaths. but if it if it killed the insects, can you imagine that yeah, silence? silence? Yeah, just nothing. That was when we did uh, when we went through Death Valley. In the middle of the day, there was nobody, and you get out, and it was like apocalyptic silence. Bro, that shit's the scariest thing to me. As a person with, like, ADHD, like, (laughs) honestly, for real, like, sometimes I cannot sleep if I don't have some noise in the background. Oh, I have to have white noise. And, like, not white noise, like, specifically... Like a TV going? Like a TV or a video or some music or something. Not having anything? Yeah. That shit. I would not... Deal with it well. So more than a week after its eruption, Lake Nios had lost the, uh, lost its blue hue and turned brown. You can also see vegetation damage caused by the water surge that followed the emergence of the toxic gas cloud. What kind of gas was it? I was about to say. 
Scientists soon learned that the cloud contained carbon dioxide. Ooh. That finding explained the cloud's heaviness, since CO2 is denser than air. Mm -hmm. The cloud was actually CO2 mixed with air. The CO2 killed directly by shutting off people's consciousness and breathing. And when the CO2 concentration was 15% or less, people lost consciousness and later revived. Individuals who inhaled more than 15% CO2 stopped breathing in minutes and died. So as for why the lake ejected CO2, up to a third of a cubic mile of it. God damn. Scientists disagreed. One can't believe that a volcanic eruption. First of all, a third of a cubic mile? Yes. So that's a third of a mile in three different dimensions. Right. Of, yeah, Jesus Christ. Was, a, was a released from this lake. I don't even know how big that would be, and that's <laughs> insane to well, me to imagine. What, either way, 5,000 feet in each direction. Roughly. So a third of that would be roughly about 1,500 feet in each wow. direction. Wow. Yeah. 1,500 feet. Roughly. Death cloud, eat your heart out. Yeah. So um, one camp believed that a volcanic eruption released the CO2 and blew up the lake. Another camp thought that CO2 was gradually leaking into and being stored in the lake. And when the lake exploded, it released the gas in a gigantic deadly burp, basically. Wow. Yeah. Now, while the two camps of scientists were fighting, they agreed that it was CO2 that killed the people and that the people were safer on higher ground. Uh, says William Evans, a geochemist with the U.S. Geological Survey who investigated the disaster. The Cameroonian government acted accordingly. Evans' team installed CO2 monitors on the lake shore, and the monitors were hooked to sirens that would sound if too much CO2 entered the air. People knew the alarms meant they should go to high ground. As years passed, scientists resolved the debate about the origin of the CO2. Oh. After measuring gas at the bottom of Lake Nyos, they found a CO2-rich layer where levels of the gas were rising over time, suggesting gradual leakage into the bottom of the lake. Wait, 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 wait. So from under the lake, yes, gas CO2 is rising based... into it and then getting trapped in the bottom of the lake? Because of the pressure of the water. Yeah. So Like uh, an oil bottle trick? Right. Okay. So um, scientists looked for markers of a volcanic eruption, such as sulfur and chloride in the lake. They also installed seismometers around the body of the water to record tiny earthquakes that would follow a volcanic eruption. It was the quietest area that the Ge British Geological Survey had ever monitored, said Evans. The volcano hypothesis died. CO2 was bubbling into the lake from below. Scientists reasoned that CO2 had been trapped in the bottom of Lake Nyos for a long time, held down by 682 feet of water. On the day of the eruption, however, something external triggered the release of gas. Most likely, it was a rock slide from one of the lake walls. When the falling rocks sunk to the bottom of the lake, they pushed up some gas, and then most of the gas bubbled up. Like in an old-school kaleidoscope, when the, the bubble gets to the top where all the glitter and shit is, mm -hmm. and then it disturbs that. Right. So, or just another way visual. to look at it is basically a, a, a sealed bottle of soda. Mm -hmm. and, and you just you open it, it shakes it enough or agitates it so all the carb it's the same thing the same like thing i mentos and coke i think is even a better example of go. like you plop that mentos in there you wait a f couple seconds and then the reaction happens yes yeah. well that's what happened in lake nios yeah is fucking wild yeah so dude nature did it better mentos <laughs> and coke nature did it better <laughs> 
So if this sounds like a freak occurrence to you, um, we're going to... By better, I do mean deadlier. I'm going to tell you about a lake that exploded in an eerily similar fashion just two years before. Wow. And that was Lake Manon. Or Manon. M-O-N-O-U-N. Manon. We're just going to go with that. M-O-N-O-U-N? Yeah, like Monown. Yeah, Manon. Manon. Yeah. So... Um, Manon. Almost two years Probably earlier, on the right. evening of August 15th, 1984... Cameroonians, about 62 miles southeast of Nyos, had heard similar rumblings near a lake. The site of this prior explosion, however, was the smaller lake Manown. Around 11.30 p.m., CO2... What years? Uh, this was uh, 1984. The first 84. One, 84. So the other one was 86. Right. Damn, that's yeah. recent. Mm-hmm. Around 11.30 p.m., CO2 shot out of the lake and sunk into a valley near a road. As people from the nearby village of Nijindown walked down the road on their way to work before dawn, they entered the cloud, collapsed, and died. Yo. Again, nature is fucking the scariest thing. <laughs> the planet is the scariest thing on the planet, is yeah. my point. Like By 10.30 or so, wind had swept the cloud away. A doctor and police officer arrived on the scene to find most of the 37 dead on a short stretch of road including a man slumped over 37 his people. Yeah. And this is before a whole town died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, this is 37 people who just out of nowhere, for no apparent reason to the people around them for a little while, yeah. walked into some fog yeah. and died. Exactly. Like, yeah. like wow. <laughs> Can you imagine walking out of your house into what looks like Normal fog, and then just losing consciousness. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, it'd be a peaceful way to go. You sure, would, you would never know. Sure, you'd be like, oh, it's a little fog. Yeah, no, that's ter- that's yeah. That's, that's what's scary about it <laughs> is that it's like, yeah, I want to die peacefully, but like later, yeah. man. Like, that's the thing, you know. Everybody's always like, you know, I'm I'm scared of being, I'm scared of dying, you know, by. I'm scared. I want to see that shit coming. Is my yeah. point. I don't want an aneurysm. That's my biggest fear. You know, we just your yeah. blood vessel just pops and you're dead, and you just go. Yeah, I'm like every time I hear somebody diving, an- that is the scariest thing. To me. I, oops, you ate the wrong ice cube, and now yeah, done. Like, mm-hmm. excuse me, <laughs> there was a what in my who? Yeah, uh, exactly. Like, yeah, the Cameroonian government suspected the explosion was an act of terrorism, or the result of someone dumping chemicals into the lake. This was the earlier one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, more traditional villagers in the Nijindown believed that legends that evil spirits periodically the left one. the lake and killed neighboring people. This is the one about the gods are angry. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly these legends came about because of gas bursts in the past, said Evans. Yeah, see, that's the crazy thing. Is like, it cannot, with the timeline we're working with, which is the entire history of the Earth. Right. Like, not humans, the Earth. It has to have happened. Way more than one time. Exactly. And then, you know, how big of a rock would cause the issue? If you took a rock and threw it in the lake. Are we fucked? Yeah. Are we fucked? It's the 80s and I'm skipping rocks on this cool <laughs> lake. Do I kill my village? <laughs> like, wow. That's the type of shit I'm... T- that's what scares me, is like, even as a kid, I bet, I think, thinking about it, like, sometimes you don't do something because you're like... Too paranoid, clearly, but like you've read a story like this and you're like, okay, I have to be very, very careful. 
that I don't disturb the gods of nature, and they decide to take their anger out upon me and my whole fucking village. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you imagine, like, so what happened in that village? Oh, fucking Billy was skipping rocks the other day. Yeah, why aren't we allowed to eat shrimp? Well, because Jimmy ate a shrimp and his whole goddamn city died. <laughs> so fuck that. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so I'm sorry. Another lake in Africa may be building toward a burst. If we could track these, would it not be the coolest shit ever <laughs> to, like, trigger it and be able to witness it, like, through a gas mask or something? Yeah. That would be fucking dope. So, um, Lake Kivu, situated situated between Rwanda and the Congo in the African Rift Valley, is a legitimate worry. It's more than twice as deep as Nios and can store more gas. So that means it's almost 1,200 feet deep. Um, bacteria in the lake are chugging out methane, and CO2 is leaking from magma below. Sediment layers... See, sed- now I don't want to go to no goddamn hot springs anymore. Because, <laughs> like, I'll die. <laughs> uh, Unless we go to the ones in Japan where you can, like, take a bath with a baboon or whatever. <laughs> One baboon messing around. No, 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 no. I don't want to take a bath with a baboon. I just mean there's like these, like there's like apparently maybe tourist destinations or maybe it's just a whole monkey island. I don't know. But there's this place in Japan or maybe, yeah, I think it's Japan where there's like this species of monkey that like, I think it's baboons. I don't know. Now I'm fucking second guessing everything I said. God damn it. Don't ask any questions, Don. I don't have anything in front of me right now. The sediment layer suggests that the Anyway, la- there's a there's a hot spring that's like a bathable hot spring and there's like like monkeys that like to use it or apes mm-hmm. that like to use it and there's cool pictures that tourist people have taken. Gotcha. So, that's what I was referring to. <laughs> The sediment layers suggest that the lake may have erupted erupted 7,000 to 8,000 years ago. Because 2 million people live near Kivu, the lake's gas pressure is being monitored. If that ever were to go, that would be a natural disaster on the scale we haven't seen, except for tsunamis, the tsunamis in 2004. Yeah, that's an excellent illustration. Yeah. That's an amazing illustration. There is also Lake... Kilatoa, Kilatoa in Ecuador, which is rich in CO2, deep, and in a tropical climate. Some scientists consider it a potential analog to Neo, says Verkamp. Now, you may be wondering whether any lake can explode. Could it happen to the pond in your backyard? Well, let's return to the historic lakes to find out. It seems to me, just as a guess before we get into that, that there are certain conditions that must be met. Right. You you need to be near a natural gas. You need to be literally on top of CO2 or methane or some other poisonous gas. Right. You need to have enough water pressure depth to hold that gas down. And then something needs to happen to disturb that gas after having allowed it to build up for a very long time, it seems like. Yeah. Anyway, well, that's my guess. Well, you saw that other one. It was seven to 8,000 years ago. It still hasn't erupted. So we're talking thousands of years. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I do know the documentary that I watched about Lake Nios, 
two scientists went into the area around Lake Nyos, and there was a legend about springs that animals would drink from and die. Yeah. And they went to these springs and did tests and found that there was CO2 coming out of these springs. Yeah. So there, there's something releasing CO. There's a CO2 chamber or something yeah. in that area. Maybe Probably it's... because of the volcanic areas yeah. in the region. So, so exploding lakes are rare. And the backstories of Lake Nyos and Manaun explain why. In Cameroon, there are weak spots in the Earth's crust at which magma uh, rises from the Earth's mantle. Now, the magma shoots up quickly and vertically, cutting a tube toward the surface. If it reaches the surface, the magma may spurt out and rain a big pile of rock depositing a cinder cone volcano. Mm-hmm. Now, if the magma hits wet rock as it rises, it explodes, blasting a crater in the ground. More than 18,000 years ago, such a blast formed the crater at Lake Manon. Manon. And so, so that's the thing, is that... Um, I, again, I don't know shit about volcanoes, so I didn't know that some craters, like lakes, formed like that. Yeah. I did not know that. That's rad. Yeah. The Earth is the most metal thing. <laughs> First of all, it just, I don't, like, geologically quickly, I think, is the main thing. Like, yes, magma will explode up out of the volcano but it takes a very long time for magma to like cut through the rock and do that right but explosions don't take time that's the one thing that they don't take so when it hits the water and explodes with that much force what what (laughs) what that's very cool (laughs) That's like the coolest shit. So a similar blast happened a few hundred years ago to form Nios, and then water filled the craters, and they each became lakes. Now at the bottom of each lake, an old tube where magma first rose to the surface remains. Don't call me an old tube, you old tube. (laughs) If you follow the tube some three to six miles down, you'll hit magma. Now the pressure down there forces out one of the most abundant gases in liquid rock, CO2. The gas rises up the tube into the lake. Now, researchers have identified more than 100 places in Cameroon where CO2 leaks in large but not dangerous quantities out of the ground. Several factors, not just CO2, have to align to create an exploding lake. First, the lake must be deep. When little water holds down the gaseous bottom water, the lake needs only a small disturbance, such as wind, to release the gas. Yeah, I feel like a lot of small lakes would be burping co2 out a lot but like so do we so that's probably fine you know um even um 33 feet of water adds one i'm sorry in deep lakes the overlying overlaying water acts as a cork in a champagne bottle every 33 feet of water adds one atmosphere of pressure so in a 328 foot lake 10 atmospheres of pressure hold down the gas at the bottom says evans wind can't stir that up yeah. Second, the climate must be stable all year, which is why exploding lakes cluster in the tropics. Lake Superior, in the United States, for instance, charges with gas from decaying matter until the season changes. Every fall, the lake's surface cools and gets denser, then sinks to the bottom. The gaseous bottom water rises, the lake turns over or exhales. Most lakes do this once a year. In places where it's warm or cold year-round, 
lake layers hold their temperature and position. Third, it takes a trigger like a landslide, earthquake, or too much gas to unsettle the gas layers. Good thing we don't have to worry about that in Florida because they're spring-fed, which means they're constantly pumping fresh water. <laughs> you can drink it. <laughs> I don't think a lake could get that deep here in Florida, could it? Not, no, 300 and some odd feet. No, yeah. for damn sure. No, Florida is like at sea level. You can get like, I don't know, what's the deepest lake in Florida? I know there's like 80 foot, but that's yeah. not, to somebody that lives in Michigan, that doesn't sound right. deep. Yeah. I mean, it does, but not and like... People who live near lakes that are 1,200 feet Right. Deep. That's what my point. <laughs> it's like, you live near a small ocean. I live near a medium-sized lake, even. Not even a big one. Like, right. So Cameroon has all the right ingredients for exploding lakes. Magma releasing CO2 into deep lakes and a tropical climate and a trigger. After Lake Ni- Neos... Ni- I'm just gonna, oh, my God. We're going all over the place. After Lake Nios burst... An international team began discussing ways to gas both lakes and avert future disasters. They talked about bombing the lakes to blow out the gas, but scientists worried that a bomb would also blow out one of Lake Nios's walls. Yeah, if it was rocks, just drop a goddamn boulder. <laughs> like, you know, come on, man. As early as November of 1986, French scientists proposed a pipe. The pipe idea won Fair. out because it's simple and there's not much risk associated with it. Yeah. Evans. You put a goddamn pipe in there and you leave it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you could eliminate the gas in a controlled fashion. Now, pipes were slow to be installed. Money and roads into Nios weren't plentiful. When we left Cameroon in 86, we were certain that we had done good science, recommended how to fix the problem, and said aid, aid groups will come in the next week. Come in next week and start piping the gas out. This was in 1986. 86. Mm-hmm. It was a wake-up call for all of us how long this type of stuff takes, says Evans. Yeah. The yeah. first pipe went into Lake Neos. Nios. Whatever. Yeah. Pick in one and roll with ne- it. I'm going to say Neos. It's just coming off easier for me. The first pipe went into Lake Neos in 2001. So. Yeah, words are fake anyway, Don. Don't We don't care. <laughs> but no, so it started, they said, this is how you got to do it in 86. Hey, and it, for anybody who's like, no, you got to pronounce my the area name correctly. Sometimes I agree with you. That's for specifically marginalized peoples. However, I've never heard of Nios Neos, and <laughs> words are, again, fake. That goes for you too, Arkansas. Arkansas. <laughs> so uh, a French no engineer gives a shit. <laughs> sunk a six-inch plastic tube. Oh, boy. Here we go. Uh, we do have, I'm sorry, supernatural stuff here. Uh, the first pipe they sunk at 666 feet into the lake until it until it reached the gas layer. And then it was 666 feet, 600.666 inches. <laughs> Again, froth shot out like a champagne from an uncorked bottle, but this time it wasn't a deadly surprise. Today, Neos is degassed to about 80 percent of the level after the 1986 explosion," said Evans. The lake is safer today than it was in 2000, but it is still hazardous. A big enough energy input, uh, like a large earthquake or a landslide, could cause the lake to erupt, he says. Another problem is Ni- Neos. Oh my God. Neos's weak wall. I'm trying to throw a new letter in. Neos. Lake Neos's weak wall. That natural dam could rupture any day, says Evans. If the dam were to suddenly fail, the upper 131 feet of the lake would empty in a huge flood, 
and that would release the pressure of the gas remaining in the deep water. You could have a combination of a flood and a gas release. Evan said, oh, very cool. Yeah. Evan says that the gas should be piped out as soon as possible, and then the wall should be fixed. Two more pipes are planned, with the first possibly going in in spring of 2009. Obviously, this is an old article. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lake Manone has three pipes, one installed in 2003 and two in 2006. Another eruption is probably not possible there, given that the lake is almost completely degassed, said Evans. Manown now... Would- this is the type of shit... Okay, I'm sorry. I just really sometimes... Um, I hear things yeah. that really send me back to being uh, a lay speaker in the Methodist church. You remember how, just to get back up on my preacher box real quick, in my pulpit. You have to do it as a preacher, though. In my pulpit. That's why I got my hands on the table. <laughs> and, and I just said pulpit like that. Um, you know how when there's a certain subsect of Christians, most Christians believe that God put us on the earth to tend to the earth? Right. This is what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> you feel me? Okay, listen. For real. For real? This is what he's talking about. He's not talking about Darwinism and all this other survival of the fittest and like, you know, abortion arguments that are, again, pro-life people are fully killing adult humans with their policy decisions. But we're not going to talk about that on this podcast what we're going to talk about is this, this is what God meant. He meant tend to his creations so that they don't destroy each other. <laughs> and we decided, Christians in America specifically, and Europe, but in America, decided that what he meant was fucking kill each other for some reason. Like, we've been doing crusades and shit. Right. Like, we lost the war on terrorism back when, when England invaded Jerusalem. You know what I'm saying? The history is way older than us. We're a baby on the world stage. We couldn't think to win that, right? Right. Of course we did. We thought we would win anything. We thought we were hot shit. (laughs) Guess what? They drove us out. Do you know why? It's because they've been there for thousands of years. You can't fuck with that. You know why we drove Britain out? It's because we'd been here longer. It's, that's how it works. The only reason that Native Americans didn't get to do that is because of all the diseases you disgusting Europeans brought with you. <laughs> literally. Like, all the you living with your farm animals and shit. Like, literally, new diseases came and killed a whole bunch of people. Yeah. That's how that works. So, like, you I'm, know. I'm a firm believer that nature is self-regulating. I I don't I don't know if it's self-regulating. Well, what because I, if if you think about it, we are products of nature and we definitely don't you know, self-regulate. I, no, but I'm talking like part of nature. This is a living planet, Don. But it's not sentient. That's fair. You know, like this lake, you know. How do we know that it's just not nature's way of, you know, the people were doing stuff in that area that was damaging? And enough people, something caused that rock slide. It didn't just happen. Yeah, but you also mentioned that there was a volcano nearby, and sometimes, you know, eruptions are explosions. Right. So maybe that was it, probably. But I'm not saying that, like, if we left it alone, like, if we weren't here, yeah, you could just leave it alone and let it explode every 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 years or whatever. But we are here, and, like, we spread out. And we need the space. So, like, what we what do we do? Non-intrusively, 
build a pipe under the ground where nothing's really using it except some worms, and we just pipe out that gas so that it doesn't kill. And also, yeah, that explosion maybe does happen naturally, but it's going to kill. Well, I'm not sure how much we just caught. You were talking about... Uh, but I was just talking about how... cows and deer. I was just talking about how nature was... How that my interpretation of that taking care of the of God's creation thing, and again, I'm not a Christian. I don't necessarily believe in God the same way you do. But back when I did, occasionally, now some things will remind me of that, and it baffles me why people don't understand that. Like, yeah, the what these scientists are doing, these conservation efforts, they're not like conservation. They're just Let's degas this lake so that it doesn't explode and kill thousands, people. not even people, right, just yeah. thousands of creatures that have no idea what just happened. Right. And can't figure it out. Like, they don't have the ability to do that. Like, imagine if something killed, like, certainly these people had pets. It was the 80s. Yeah. Imagine all those, like, puppies. Yeah. I know it's morbid. I'm sorry. It's very sad. Who did Auschwitz? I don't think we can get it. But I'm morbid. saying, like, imagine, like, they're saving those things. They're saving koalas and, mm. like, sloths and shit in tropical climates by degassing this lake in a less violent way. And violent here meaning just explosive, literally. Right. Yeah. Anyway, let me hop back off my pulpit. <laughs> <laughs> But that's, that's pretty much it. I just wanted to try something a little different that wasn't supernatural, that didn't have... Oh, no, yeah. That's that's, yeah. Very, it, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. It's because it's still spooky. It's still spooky-ooky. Yeah. Like, that's one where it's like, yeah, certainly we could talk about... We might return to this for, like, a Campfire Tales or something because this is one where we could talk about, like, real mythology and religions from ancient people in those areas as it relates to what actually we have discovered thousands of years later, a couple thousand at least, that like, no, these are the processes by which this thing happened. It's not angry spirits. It's not the gods. Or it might be the gods, but it would be in a far less literal sense than an ancient person would have meant it. Like, when a valley of fog kills people, right. that is one of the gods killing them, smiting them. But we're like, no. What actually happened was a rumble over here, some rocks over here, hit water, explode. And the ancient person might come back at you with, no, no, no. Yeah, sure, that is how it happened. But the gods did it. And that's what I'm talking We're We're not talking about that. Right. We're just talking about the literal interpretation of that is a god killing people right now. You're like, maybe, but here's what happened. And here's, we can prevent this. Right. And you can interpret that as that's what gods want you to do or not. But like, I don't know. It's just interesting to think about. Yeah. Very cool. And if we come across more of these scientific obscurities. And we had a real high body count this episode too. Yeah, so. 1,700. So not Auschwitz numbers. Not but, Auschwitz numbers, thank God. But yeah. that's a fuck yeah. ton of people. Yeah, that's a lot of people. So uh, thank you for listening to Campfire Tales. Just a reminder, check us out on 
uh, Facebook. We have a Facebook page. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Also soon Patreon, we hope. We hope. Uh, I looked into that today or yesterday. Um, and uh, if you haven't already, follow us on Facebook. Um, and next week... Give us a five-star review on iTunes. I think yeah. we're on the iTunes now. Oh, yeah. We're Go on check I- us out. Yeah. We're on everywhere now. So yeah, that's... Everywhere. Every place that you can listen to your podcast. Someone I saw the other day, someone listened to us on Xbox. Hell yeah. So um, Tell them to give us a five-star review. And then... Hey, on... PCP Pete, <laughs> we still love you, my dude. And then We two... hope you're getting some help, my guy. All right. And on that and then and and on that note, uh fucking goodbye. All right. Bye guys. <laughs>